Thanks for joining us here at Living the Writing Life. Um, today, my guest is Alan Shirovsky, and Alan wears many hats. He's a ghostwriter, an editor, a marketing executive, and a musician. But today at the podcast, I'll be talking with Alan, the author, whose book, Boarding School Bastard, is a memoir about his unusual childhood behind the walls of Girard College, an orphanage for fatherless boys. The vivid three-part series portrays a fear-driven culture of abusive governesses, pedophile housemasters, anti-Semitism, and bullying upperclassmen. So, um, you know, Alan, I mean, that's a lot of material. And I guess my first obvious question is, how did you decide what to include and what to eliminate as you were developing your memoir? Well, most people would think that it's a memoir about childhood and that it was written chronologically. That would be the logical conclusion. But of course, that's not how it happened. What happened was at some point, I would tell people about my crazy childhood and after their eyes finished popping out of their heads and they were settled down and, 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 think, and, and their heads stopped exploding, they would say, oh my God, you ought to write about that. And I woke up one day and said, you know, I am a writer. I really should write about it. So I just picked random scenes that I knew were interesting, things that happened that I knew had never happened to anybody else in their lives and never would because I had this unique childhood. So I wrote these random episodes. And one day I sent one to an editor at uh, what was then called Byliner and later became Pronoun. Byliner was one of the first ebook publishers. And this editor loved the stories, but she said, these don't connect as a book. Um, I need you to connect stories, come up with a logical um, progression. And then I had to go back and recreate and go back into my, my head and write my childhood as it happened sequentially somewhat. So I kind of, I kept the stories that I liked. I went back and wrote the earlier stuff and then uh, wrote this first part that got published and then it became a three-part series and now is a whole book, mm -hmm. uh, both in paperback and ebook. But that it, it did not happen. The short answer is it did not happen sequentially. It happened episodically. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I went back and, and made it chronological. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have so many obviously deeply personal stories and they're very painful stories. What was it that first even led you to consider writing about your experiences because I would imagine a lot of people would say it was bad enough when it was happening. I am not revisiting that past. So what, what was it that drove you to even consider writing about it, let alone turning it into a book and, and offering it up for public consumption? Well, clearly it took me a long time to do it. <laughs> So, so uh, you could either call me a procrastinator or you could say I was avoiding going back into the dark past. And uh, it's probably a little bit of both or a lot of both. Um, but what made me decide to do it was I knew I had this fascinating but frightening childhood and I didn't want it to just disappear into the ether. Um, I wanted it. I wanted to capture it. Um, I knew it was interesting. I knew it was... Uh, I knew it was the kind of stuff that people would not want to 
know about but want to read because it was so fascinating. You know, the, the, the traffic accident syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the TV show Breaking Bad. So, you know, I, I've come to like the dark stuff and I had a dark childhood. And, but there's, there's light in it too and there's humor and there. You know, and I had, you know, I had friends who were just fabulous and, and, and courageous and, you know, we all went through this uh, nasty time together. And I, I wanted to tell their stories. And I also didn't want the criminals to get away uh, un, you know, unnoticed. So uh-huh. all of that I wanted to tell. And I wanted to shine a light on uh, powerless children and what happens in their worlds. Take them, you know, take them behind the scenes and show them uh, what life is like for children who, um, who have no authority over their lives and uh-huh. don't have advocating for them. So, uh-huh. you know, in a way that was interesting, like a, a novel rather than just a, 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 a documentary. Uh-huh. I think one of the, the challenges in, in writing a, a memoir, you know, such a personal story is you want to connect with the reader. So obviously you're, you want to, you know, show the emotion, show what, what impacted you. Otherwise, if you have too much of a distance, they're not going to care about you or the person that you were writing about, which is you, the child. At the same time, from a technical perspective as a writer, you have to maintain a certain amount of distance. Otherwise, you can sort of just wallow in what happened and, and it becomes almost too much for the reader. So how were you able to strike that balance between sharing your your personal experiences, the, the emotions that, that you, the child, were feeling, at the same time maintaining enough distance that you could tell a good story? Good question. So um, actually, uh, this week, somebody commented, uh, gave me a review uh, on my Amazon page, a very positive review. And this insightful reader said, uh, Sharasky does a good job of balancing, how did she put it? opinion and context. And I thought, huh, that's a great way of putting it. The way I thought about it, uh, similar but different, was I had to balance editorializing when, when I was telling, you know, sharing my opinion and, and my anger and my rage and my hurt with storytelling and scene setting and uh, letting the reality of it come through rather than me um, pointing at the reader saying, see, here's what, here, here's how I feel. You know, that's mm-hmm. not my job. My job is to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Let the story make the reader angry. Let the story make the reader sad. You know, let, let the scene do its work. So, you know, I, I constantly, I, I kind of, ha- I had to both be in the scene and out of the scene as I was writing it to make sure that I was seeing it from the reader's perspective and I was doing enough scene setting, doing enough um, uh, character development so that uh, the reader said, oh, I know this, this guy, Jake, Jack Rayboy, he's, he, he's I, I get him, I understand. So mm-hmm. all of that I had to do and, and balance um, editorializing and um, storytelling and light on the editorializing and heavy on the story and the scene and the factual stuff, the description of factual stuff that actually happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I would think too, because you're writing a story about what happened to you as a young child, because you were how old when you went there? Uh, I started uh, there when I was eight and I left when I was 16. 
Okay. So you're, you know, you're writing about, you know, a time when you were a child, you're writing about it as an adult. So it's not like as if you, the adult, are writing about something that happened to you, the adult. So it has to really, like you said, light on the editorializing because you have to make that Alan the child be be very real to the reader, not Alan the grown-up, like you said, saying, look how mean these people were to me, but let the reader remember, you know, let the reader get to know you as the child. What, was it hard for you to go back to that time to kind of rip the scab off and go back and feel it again? Well, two challenges. A, a, absolutely, there were scenes that were hard to write, painful to be back in those scenes. And I had to keep reminding myself that I'm writing this as the eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old um, with some adult perspective. So that's another thing you have to balance when you're writing about your childhood, right? You have to balance that you are writing about the eight year old, but the reader knows you're not eight years old. So how do you, you have to balance that as, as you have to give yourself permission occasionally to say, okay, I'm writing this as the narrator watching the eight-year-old, but I'm also writing as the eight-year-old through the eight-year-old's experience. So um, I had to be conscious of that pretty much throughout the whole book. Um, mm-hmm. But again, if you're telling the story, ideally some of, some of that challenge gets, uh, some of that challenge lessens by the story conveying that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, there are scenes where um, I can only be eight years old because uh, I'm in a third grade classroom uh, or I'm in a dormitory with other eight-year-old boys wearing nightshirts instead of pajamas, um, you know, or, um, or I'm being paddled by uh, a 45-year-old man with arms the size of logs. And I can only be a frightened eight or nine-year-old. That's all you can be, mm-hmm. okay? Um, because you're describing the scene and and uh, describing what it feels like to be that that kid. So mm-hmm. if you're doing your job right as a writer, um, some of that gets some of some of that challenge goes away because it's taken up in the writing of the scene. Mm-hmm. Were there times when you had to stop, where you had to walk away? so that you could get back to where you are now emotionally and it didn't, you know, were there there ever times when the recollection and and the writing of what happened to you was, was overwhelming and you had to stop? Um, Yeah, but actually when you're in that overwhelmed state, that's a lot of when the good stuff comes out. So it's kind of like, it's like putting yourself in a trance and letting the trance, letting the trance go mm-hmm. uh, and just and trying to hold on as long as you can. Um, but yeah, there was stuff I didn't want to write. I mean, there were, there were scenes that as I was writing them, I did not want to write them. Um, mm-hmm. And stuff I, like I go back and look at, oh my God, I can't believe I, I relived this. Um, so... I was able to get through the scenes and, you know, if, if, if it was painful, then I was probably doing a good job of, of revisiting it. 
Um, but again, as a writer, your job is to say, okay, am I getting the story down? So you're kind of, you're, you're, it's almost a schizophrenic experience, right? Because you're in the agony of being beaten by um, uh, somebody who's supposed to be your guardian uh, or being sexually abused or watching somebody be sexually abused. And you're describing that scene and you're saying, oh, this is horrible. I'm, I'm reliving this. But then you're saying, am I getting it properly? <laughs> am, I, am I capturing this? Will the reader understand? Will, uh -huh. they know, will they know how close my bed is to the boy next to mine? Will they, you know, did I, did I convey the dormitory that we're in properly? Um, you know, did, did I convey the fear of somebody stalking uh, us in the dormitory? Did I get all that? Uh -huh. So you're, you know, you're, you're, both you're, you're, you're both disgusted wounded, terrified, and hope and hopeful that you're getting the story right. So it's a, it's a lot to process. Yeah, I, I would think so. Well, that's kind of like all, I don't want to say all the bad parts, but all the difficult, all the challenges. Okay. Were there, were there positives that came out of either through the writing process or once the book was out, what, what were some of the positives or benefits that resulted? So let's go with the second question first, because I had a, a, a number of those. So many people, strangers, people I never met, um, readers who bought the book contacted me, private messaged me through Facebook or tracked me down on the internet and send me, sent me emails and said, your book was healing to me. Your book was important to me. Uh, one man said to me, he used my book to tell his family what life was like for him at Girard. His life was so painful that he, he, hadn't, he had never told his family all the details of his life. So he used my book to convey those details. Wow. Okay, they're, they're, they're a higher compliment I don't think exists. So, um, you know, then I had another, uh, a woman who I'm now friendly with, uh, didn't know, um, she said she uh, grew up in uh, an orphanage, a Christian orphanage, and her brother went to Girard College. I knew her brother. I didn't know him well. He was a couple years younger than me. But she said that first her book helped her understand her brother and why he was so sullen. And her book echoed her own experience at, the, at this Christian orphanage and the uh -huh. sense of the sense of abandonment she had and the sense of, of um, powerlessness and all of that. So, um, so she, you know, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, I got a lot of these and it was just, it, it's very, wow. you know, very emotional. I had a woman um, who told me that uh, her brother, she mentioned her brother's name and he went there also during the time I was there. And she said that she used the book to tell the rest of the family why the brother was the way he was. Uh -huh. and, and also to give the mother some closure on not feeling so guilty about sending her son to Girard College. Uh -huh. You know, yeah. it just, I had a lot of that. So that was so, so uh, yeah, and the benefits, one of the, the weird benefit was to me that I understood just how, how, how ugly my childhood was and how different uh -huh. it was. And I kind of, I had a, I, I probably had a protective distance from it. Um, uh -huh. You know, there's a sense of shame I had have having grown up that way clearly it wasn't my fault but i had a sense of shame around it because i knew it made me very different um but um 
but the benefit of it was that I would look back and say, okay, I came through it and here we are. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, um, unexpected emotional benefits, both my own and, and receiving um, reactions from others. Mm-hmm. Were you at all concerned um, that, you know, now, now, you know, you're an adult, you're a successful man in terms of business, you've, you, you know, you, you've got a good relationship and everything. You've put this very personal story out, the detailed things that have happened to you through no fault of your own. Were you ever worried that people who knew you only as who you are now would look at you differently or judge you in any way? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I like to think that the people who know me and who really know me and love me will love me no matter what. Um, but for sure, in a, in a professional context, it's, it's easy to feel damaged, uh, to, to expose something that is uh, painful, like, 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 like a cancerous part of your life that you never quite cured. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely had that. But then I look at you know, a lot of the people I admire and their painful pasts and their painful pasts are out, you know, out in the open and they're living their lives and they're successful. I mean, you know, Barack Obama's raised by a single mother, fam- you know, father left when he was, you know, a, a young man, uh, Bill Clinton, the same. So you look at, you know, Oprah, I mean, it's an endless list of people who yeah. had challenging, difficult, painful childhoods. Um, you know, just about any, a uh, politician of color <laughs> will tell you that they had, you know, just a, a you know, real challenge coming up through the system. So, you know, if they can do it, well, you know, mine's a walk in a park compared to some of those. Mm-hmm. So, um, so at least, at, at least I think that probably not really, but the point is that, yeah, I did have that feeling. Um, it's probably why it took me so long to tell the story because, you know, in a professional context, you know, when you're the marketing director of the Sixers, you don't, you feel like, oh, I don't know if I want that to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, here it is now. And I, right now, it's, you know, it's, it's part of who I am. And mm-hmm. uh, I, have no, uh, I have no shame about it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was something that happened to me, uh, yeah. not as a result of me. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and that makes me think, too, you know, a lot of times people will say, you know, they, they want to write their memoirs, they, or they want to just write about something that happened to them, you know, and it's rarely anything good. I mean, who cares about how wonderful your life was, right? It, it's more, let me tell you this really bad thing that happened to me. Um, from your perspective now, because, I mean, you did have such a horrible traumatic thing to write about. If somebody came to you and said, well, you know, I was thinking about writing about what happened to me as a child or what happened to me in this relationship or whatever. Okay. It doesn't even necessarily be a child, but obviously a, a, a difficult, bad thing. And they're not sure what, how, like, what are some of the things from your perspective you would recommend that they consider before they prepare to do it? Wow. Um, so you have to be ready to go back through that pain um, if you want a good story, right? I mean, 
you know, if, if you're going to write it and try and dodge stuff, um, and I did some of that, I will admit, not much, but there are things I might have gone a little deeper into. Um, but if you're, if you're going to write a good story, uh, you, you better be willing to go back into that pain, and, but, but still tell the story. I mean, the reader doesn't owe you, um, a, the reader doesn't owe you a purchase or a, a reading of your book just because you wrote something painful, <laughs> you know? The, the readers aren't standing out there saying, oh, well, you know, that, that person was raped by so-and-so or that person was beaten by their parents continually. Um, I better read that book because that'll, you know, that, that's, my, that's, a, that's my, my debt to that person. The reader doesn't care. You have to make it interesting. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, so you better be willing to, A, go back and experience it as a writer, but then convey it as a, experience it as a person and convey it as a writer, mm -hmm. right? Because otherwise, you know, there's no reason to write the book. So uh -huh. if you're going to write it for yourself, fine. You know, if you want to write a book for yourself and get it documented, there's nothing wrong with that. But even that, you, you got to be honest about what you're writing. And then you have to be honest about whether you're willing, ready to write that. You uh -huh. know, I mean, some, look, everybody handles their pain differently. Some people dig through it and go into therapy. Some people um, keep their distance. We, we, you know, I, I'm Jewish, so I know many people who have parents who were, or grandparents who were Holocaust survivors. And I frequently heard people say their parents don't talk about it or the grandparents don't talk about it. They just don't want to touch those dark memories, those painful mm -hmm. memories. And I totally, totally respect that. I get that. Okay. Um, if that's how they coped, then I respect that. So um, everybody does it differently. And um, I probably wasn't prepared to write this book um, years ago. So, um, you have to, you really psychologically have to be ready to go through it. And as a writer, you have to be uh, equipped to take it on. I'm not saying you have to be a great writer necessarily, although that helps, but you have to be, you have to have enough skills and awareness of the reader to tell the story. So mm -hmm. if you're just writing it for yourself and want to document it and, you know, heal your pain and all that, then fine, you know, go ahead and do that. But you better be ready to go through that pain. Um, maybe you want to be in counseling to do it. Maybe you want to read other books about dealing with pain before you go there. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've been in counseling, I've read books and I've done all that. So, you know, you do what you have to do, but, um, <laughs> be ready because it's, it's, you know, it be ready because it is going to be a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you from when you first started working on it until the book was completed? Oh, that's an unfair question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> um, it took a long time. <laughs> How terrible you'd ask that question. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought this was going to be a light interview. No. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, I have been writing this book off and on probably for about 15 years. Because mm -hmm. I would just grab a story and write it. And then grab something else and write it. And then... I didn't know what I was doing with it. I just um, knew I was, uh, it was something interesting. Um, uh -huh. So, but you know, in the actual writing of it and saying, oh, I'm going to really make a book out of this. Um, it probably took me about six years. Yeah. Uh -huh. Six years of, of, of going back through stuff I had written, uh, writing new stuff, stringing it together, uh, weeding out material. 
uh, yeah, I'd say about six years off and on. Mm -hmm. Were there times where you had to stop and just kind of catch your breath emotionally and maybe let it sit for a while? Oh yeah, for sure. No question. Um, yeah. I mean, although sometimes I would regret doing that because if I was in that dark, moody, the way I talk about writing this book, and I think many people talk, maybe some, for me, writing books is like falling into a trance. And mm -hmm. you have to be in this kind of trance state where you're both in the scene and conveying the scene, right? Mm -hmm. And just, you, you want to be so deep into it that you're seeing it, you're feeling it, and it's flowing through your, your brain to your hands and getting out on the page. You're a writer, so I, I would imagine, mm -hmm. you know, at least that's how I, that's certainly how I felt about writing this book. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was in a good trance state, I didn't want to break it, even if it was painful. But yeah, there were moments when I was glad to come out, come out of the trance and say, oof, that was dark. Um, uh -huh. glad, glad to have that behind me. And now, you know, now I still have to edit it. So, you know, because I'm, I'm as much a rewriter as I am a writer. Oh, yeah. Aren't we all? You know, right. it's, it's like we cannot resist fixing right. it. Exactly. I tell my clients, my ad clients and my marketing clients that, you know, if you, if you don't want me to edit something, don't send it back to me. Yeah. <laughs> Can't resist. I know. Yeah. I know. It's like, and you know, it's really bad when you start editing their emails to you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We do get a little carried away. Yeah. What did you yeah. learn about yourself as a person, not as a writer, but as a person in the course of writing this book? Uh, um, I learned that my childhood was worse than I realized and mm. that I had kept it at arm's length to some degree. Um, I had apparently, I had managed to have a, a good adulthood. I'm very fortunate of that. And I also realized I carried a lot of garbage from my childhood into my adulthood. And um, writing the book uh, uh, brought some of that forward to remind me. Um, and yeah, so, so I, I realized I, I had, I realized I had a lot of shame about my childhood and um, you know, you, if you're going to write a memoir about your dark childhood, you got to let go of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it was, you know, it was positive in that it, it, it forced me to just be out in the open about how I was raised and uh, what I experienced. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also I had, I had some people who saw the book online who went to Gerard and they had positive experiences and they, you know, pushed back and said, oh, that was not this, that was not my experience. You know, Gerard mm -hmm. made me fan and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it forced me to own my book and my experience. I was like, well, good for you. You write your own book, why don't you? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so <laughs> if you had a dandy experience at Gerard, then you just write your own book and uh, get your foot off of mine. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it, you know, that too was... Uh, it was gratifying. It was, it was fortifying for me to say, this is my experience. This is my childhood. I, I, I have no shame around this at all now. Mm -hmm. you know? So that was, that was really very helpful to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, you, can't, you can't talk about writing and publishing a book without talking about the marketing side of it. Because this isn't, 
you know, a sci-fi novel. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a, a book on how to become a successful marketing copywriter or something. I mean, this is a deeply personal book about a time in your life that most people would say, well, I'm not making going public with that, you know? Mm -hmm. So when it came time, the book is out. Now you've got to market it. You've got to promote it. You got to talk about it. How, how were you able to do that? So a couple things. Um, I do a fair amount of marketing on Facebook and it's been pretty successful for me. Um, so that's a great platform because it allows you to identify your audience by their interests. So, and uh, it's not ideal. Um, there are some, it's, it's, it's a bit wonky. It's um, a bit do it DIY. Um, but that's been, you know, that's been helpful to me. Um, helpful in a number of ways, not just the marketing, but helpful in identifying who my reader really was. Um, because, you know, you write a book like this and you think, it's easy to think, oh, it's such an interesting childhood. Everyone will want to read this. <laughs> you know? And uh, then you realize how few people there are in the category of everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so Facebook uh, was helpful. Amazon was helpful when I had, you know, now the book, I should let your, your listeners know, now the book is all one book. It's all three um, eBooks together as one eBook and one paperback. But when I had it as three different books, Amazon was helpful in identifying people who want short reads, people who want just a quick hit of an ebook of 70 pages. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I did some marketing on Amazon and I'm going to go back and do that um, when Amazon gets over the fact that I have the word bastard in my title. Um, <laughs> It's bizarre because the, the book is on Amazon, but they said, oh, you're using a profane term. So, uh, okay. <laughs> on your platform. How is it profane? So anyway, so I have to go back and, and arm wrestle with them a little bit. So, mm -hmm. uh, so some of that, some of, uh, so, some of um, Facebook, um, uh, so, some viral marketing where, um, you know, I'm trying, getting getting people to that, that like the book to share it with friends and that sort of thing. Um, I'll be doing um, blurbs of the book uh, that I'll be, you know, I'll be giving away uh, portions of the book, all that stuff. Um, uh -huh. You know, um, I have the next one I have to crack is Instagram. Um, that's a weird beast unto itself. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that is, man, that, that's, that's just, that's, you know, each one of these platforms, look, I'm an advertising person, I'm a marketing person, but each of these platforms has its own uh, ecology, its own, mm -hmm. its own um, set of rules and behaviors and, and metrics that you have to, under, you know, so it takes, it's a lot of experimentation mm -hmm. um, and you have to be, you know, you have to be willing to fail, but um Having sent out a number of uh, query letters, I'm perfectly comfortable with them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So uh, anyway, um, yeah. It just it, it this this is part of the game if you're going to self publish. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, um, you know, and I'm, I'm learning as I go. But uh, as I said, I've had real good success, pretty good success with, uh, with, with Facebook right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and it's a, you know, and then there are other platforms I'm going to look into soon. Uh, Liker is um, a competitor yeah. to Facebook. Um, I haven't checked that out yet, but uh, that's, that's on my list. Uh, Reddit is on my list. So, um, you know, um, uh, getting bloggers to write about the, you know, do their reviews about the book, um, all that stuff. So um, never a dull moment. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, um, it can, I, you know, of all the times I have been interviewing authors for years now on my blogs mm-hmm. i have yet to find one author who said and my favorite part of being an author is the marketing oh, <laughs> nobody yeah. nobody likes it because it it just is i mean we love talking to our readers you know we value the people who review our books we we like all that part but that whole back end marketing part is such a time suck and you never know if it's even going to work and then they keep changing the rules anyways and and it's just like you know and and then and then then you go online one time and find out that somebody you know just was the top amazon sale or something and you're like why why not me (laughs) you know i mean it's you never really know what works and and actually even if it works well you're never entirely sure why and if you right. can duplicate that again successfully, so yeah, it's, it's if, you, if you want to see me tear my hair out, and there's very little left. Um, <laughs> talk to me about setting up a website to promote the book. Mm. Uh, you know, that talk about a time suck and a drain. And now I realize my um, my boarding school bastard website really needs a lot more, and I have to go back in and add features and add. You know, it just oh, and I. I I'd rather have root canal um, mm-hmm. than, than do that. But it's here we are. If you're going to self-publish, I have to do it. So, um, so that's actually the truth is that's probably the next thing I need to do is um, is make my website more than just a um, display piece for the book. I need it to be way more interactive and way more. Um, yeah, way more interactive. There, mm-hmm. there are features I have to add to the website. So, uh, you know, we will. We'll do what and, we have to do. And actually, it doesn't even matter whether you self-publish or you're traditionally published, because I've got, I self-published two of my books and three of my books are traditionally published. It doesn't matter. You still have to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, un- unless you are the golden child of that particular publisher right. uh, where, you know, they know you're going to sell pots and pots of books for them and they'll make a lot of money. E- even then there is so much you have to do and have to keep doing. I, when, when I interviewed a, a bunch of marketers for my second writing book, the one that's for authors, the one marketer, and she's like one of the top marketing people, she goes, there's only two times when you stop marketing and promoting your book. The first one is when your book is no longer available for sale or, Uh or the second one is when you're dead. I mean, other than that, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Even if your book is like 15, 20 years old, 
you sh you you keep talking about it you keep promoting it and and it's like oh my god you know you just you know you you just have to keep doing it because otherwise there's so many books that come out all the time that if you don't talk about it and if and if you don't get other people to talk about it then it's it's just going to get buried underneath all the other books well and add to that how fragmented marketing is right now right i mean there are right now because of you know through facebook or through instagram or take your pick of social media you can talk to one person about your book one person right years ago five years ago when i went five ten years ago we would do mass marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And we would, you know, you would run a TV commercial or a radio commercial and you would be marketing to thousands of people. Now you're marketing to thousands of in individuals, okay? And talking to one person at a time. It's nuts, but that's mm -hmm. the way it is. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I had a very good reaction to an ad that I ran on Facebook and I was seeing individuals respond to the book and I responded to some of them individually. And that's time consuming, you know, yes. sending in, you know, sending a thank you note to somebody because they uh, had a positive reaction to my ad and then saying, gee, would you like um, a couple chapters of the book? All that stuff. Well, that's, you know, that's what you do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, that, that's what they tell you, you know, that, that it's it's supposed to be all about what what did what did one of the people that I that I had in the book say it it's called social media for a reason it's not called sales media it's called so right. so you're supposed to be social right but right. that's you know that is the hardest part well my very last question for you is now that you've done all this are you planning to write another book of any kind oh, I lost you there Nancy sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Are, are you planning to write another book of, of any kind, either another me memoir or any kind of book? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, my memoir, I think my memoir days are done, for now at least. Um, the next book will be a novel, and I already have a character in mind, the name of the book, um, some of the characteristics, some of the features of the character. I, I, I know where I, I, I know roughly where the plot is going. Um, so I have, I, I have already, I'm eager to get to that, but, <laughs> but I got to get this book on its, you know, a little more on its feet first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the I, truth is I have two books that I want to get to. Um, but you know, right now um, it's, uh, you know, my time is devoted to uh, pushing this book a little harder. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at it this way. It's like, after you've done one, well, how hard can it be to do another one, right? At least you've worked out all the bugs uh, in terms of marketing and all that. Now all you got to do is uh, just write the darn well, thing. That's the other thing, though. I mean, this is a memoir. The other book will be a novel. It's a whole... Mm -hmm. uh, a whole different, yeah, different whole different thing, whole different audience. Yeah. So, different audience, different, you know, whole different thing. So, but I will have learned for sure some of the tricks of the trade and that'll, that will help. Um, but yeah, what, I, what I've learned really from this experience more than anything else is um, don't do this if you don't like to work hard. <laughs> yes, this is true. I'll go along yeah. with that. If you're not a masochist, um, then stay out of publishing. This um, is true. And, and writing. So. Yeah.
This is true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here on, on the show. I really appreciate it. And I so enjoyed talking with you. So, um, yeah. You. I really, it, was, it was my pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate the time and, and the opportunity to talk about my book. Thank you, Nancy. Great questions. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Good luck with the book. You have a, have a great life ahead of you and many happy days writing your next project. Yeah, happy days writing, not so happy days marketing it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Nancy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.